Welcome to Always in the Garden with Jason Jorgensen. In this podcast series, Jason and his guests share their passion for plants, gardening, and landscape design from around the world. Jason is the founder and owner of Third Spring Landscape Design, a Seattle, Washington-based landscape design company. And now your host, Jason Jorgensen. Welcome to Always in the Garden with Jason Jorgensen. Today, my guests are Lisa Bauer, owner of Chartreuse Landscape Design, and Riz Reyes, owner of RHR Horticulture. They're joining me today to talk about general garden aspects here in the Seattle area. Welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. This is a fun fun time here to try creating a new podcast for uh, enthusiasts of gardening and trying to teach new people about gardening. And I've got some really good experts here today, so we're going to have a great conversation. Well, first off, I'd like to thank you both for coming. Uh, it looks like you've brought some really fun plants to, uh, to show us today and uh, talk about. Yes, I got them out of my own garden right on the Hell Strip, so it's pretty mm. dry there. And so I think um, hopefully we'll have some good combinations for people. First of all, well... One of the plants that I use a lot in a lot of gardens, um, especially kind of on a sunny, but not baking dry, sunny area, but um, is the um, Helleborus, Helleborus snow fever. Um, it's variegated and it's um, it looks great with other dry plants like Eupatorium. Um, uh, Chocolate is another thing I pair with that. But anyway, it's it's just always looking good. It's evergreen. It has gigantic blooms that look like I call it the winter hydrangea. Yeah, it's a beautiful so, plant. Uh, that, I believe that's a, a hybrid uh, sternii. I think it's called a. Um, I, I, I'm almost certain uh-huh. <clears throat> because those are very that has the Corsican bloodline in it, yes. and so they're very drought tolerant. I have some that are this beautiful pink in my own garden, and uh-huh. they look fantastic. And then once you cut those flowers off, you've got this really beautiful foliage that stays on and uh, looks great uh, year round. Yep, mm-hmm. definitely. And it's a great shape. It's just very domed shape. Um, it's just always looking good. Yeah. It's a good bones plant. And I, and I think also, too, um, just as a reminder, those plants, uh, they grow a flower stalk from the base. And after those flowers are over with, around Mother's Day, maybe end of May, it's a good time to cut those all the way down to the ground. But don't cut the leaves off. Um, just the flower stalk. Mm-hmm. Because those are next year's flowers. Exactly. Leaves. Those mm-hmm. leaves will produce uh, the next year's flower stalk. And uh, then you have this nice kind of uh, ground cover, high ground cover, like uh, 12 to sometimes 24 mm-hmm. inch high ground cover. And it looks beautiful. Fantastic. Yep. That's a great one. And the snow fever uh, has like a pale, pale white or is it a pale green? Yeah, it comes out very sort of light green and then it turns more kind of creamy white and there's a little pink on it sometimes, just a tiny bit. Yeah, maybe. very nice. But Great. That's a beautiful leaf. Let me yeah. pass that. I just want to take a look. <laughs> Super <laughs> stiff. and. Yeah, the variegation is very cool. It kind of looks a little bit like the um, variegation on that... Um, that laurel, on right? The, exactly. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> the variegated laurel. The variegated laurel. It's kind of a <clears throat> spider web effect. Yeah, it is. And it's funny too, you know. Speaking of like variegated plants, I used to really, I could not stand variegated plants, but now oh, I. Oh, you were one of those. Yes, but now, but now I love variegated plants yes, because I, you know how to use them exactly yes. <laughs> sparingly. Yes, yes. 
Great. Okay. <laughs> and what what's the next uh, uh, plant you brought for us? So, <coughs> whorehound is which I didn't know about until last year when I was really looking for something really small and sort of like a kind of a light white foliage because I needed something for this hell strip that was going to be on the edge. Yeah. And that would be underneath the other um, the other plants. So anyway, I just, it was the only thing I could find. It's called Merubium rotundifolium, and it's silver-edged whorehound. It's like probably gets about um, 10 inches high and 18 inches wide. But I I read about it on the tag, and it said it's evergreen. It's, you know, low-growing, sort of a clump-forming plant, not a runner. And and then it said it was hardy, you know, in our zone. So... Um, I tried it because I had nothing, there was nothing else available Yeah, and it has been fantastic. It's sort of, you know, probably doubled in size in one year, but, but not a crazy, crazy yeah. grower. It's pretty small and petite and, um, it's right underneath the purple eupatorium and it's just, it survived our winter. I didn't think it would, but it's evergreen as well. Wow. So it's quite um, lovely. Yeah. And it came out, the foliage came out this spring and it's gorgeous it has sort of a white edge um just right around the leaf and yeah. this one this is i think i i lost the the um the little clipping that's the flower stalk but yeah so the leaves on the flower stalk are a little bit smaller yeah smaller and they're left less ruffly yeah they're it's quite lovely really fuzzy leaves like um much like a stackies stackies byzantium i believe yep. it's the, you know yeah. s- in, in the same mint family mm-hmm. the square stems mm-hmm. quite lovely beautiful uh flowers there and uh, has a little bit of scent. I remember as a kid, my grandmother used to have whorehound candy. So I oh, wonder if that's really? where this uh, flavor comes oh, from because it's a mint oh, and yeah. you know, huh. she would have it for when we were sick and we'd have like some whorehound cough drops. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so some I old didn't fa- know. Yeah. Some like old fashioned, <laughs> um, uh, candy, um, flavoring. Uh-huh. So, oh. but, uh, Makes I perfect sense. I haven't even bothered to smell it because it's so low on the ground and I just... Well, yeah. Yeah, it does have a nice smell. Wow. Fantastic. Might, yeah. Oh, maybe yeah, on a health strip you might not want to eat it. But, uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you never know. Absolutely. You know, dog walkers and kids and, you know, trucks and car exhaust. It might not be the best place to grow uh, edibles. edibles but, yeah. uh, but, you know, you can enjoy the scent and the beautiful flowers. Well, those must know. also attract pollinators since they're in the mint family. Have you oh, noticed? You know, I hadn't noticed. <clears throat> I hadn't noticed, but... I'm usually running around my garden, yeah. <laughs> not always walking. But you're always in the garden. Yeah, always, always. Yes. Well, <laughs> when I have any free time. Yeah. <laughs> so, and with that, um, Penstemon Huskers Red, I do like this plant mm. because, it, again, it's a Penstemon and it attracts all kinds of butterflies and um, pollinators, but it also has this beautiful dark red, purple foliage when it comes out mm. and during the winter. And it um, sort of forms a low um, clumping um, mass at the bottom. And I love it because it has these really beautiful long stalks with the penstemon flowers at the end. And they're white. Stems are purple as well. And um, it's it's amazing because it's evergreen. That's great. And it survives winter It's a just great fine. contrast with all the kind of uh, paler green chartreuse colors. The, the, yeah. the dark purple is a nice... And that, uh, and kind of like a light pink flower, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yep, light pink. And I know there's another um, variety that's sort of a more of a violet pink, or sort of it's a lot more deep pink. Yeah, but I like this one a little better. Huskers red. One. That's yep, nice. Huskers red. 
Yeah, and and as well with other plants too, especially yeah. when, with a lot of drought tolerant plants tend to be kind of you know grayish in tone with mm-hmm. their foliage. So the colors of that complement it really well. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I'm always looking for dark leaved, kind of purpley plants. Yeah. Well, it's a so always a really nice contrast with the, the uh, the dry the dry because like what Riz was saying, the, the plants are typically in the paler green and grays. Mm-hmm. Which is why Prostanthra cuneata is another plant that I use a lot. Good plant. That's a great because one. it is smells so good. I can always just run by it and grab a handful, and I ha- have great fragrance on my hand. It's sort of minty, but kind of herbally smelling. Um, it just went through its bloom. Yeah, so <coughs> it's covered with blooms this year, as a lot of things were. Um, but anyway, evergreen. Just you can clip it back. I've had mine in the ground probably over seven years and I, I can clip it really hard and it comes back gorgeous. Um, it just always looks good. Uh, that's a great plant. That's plant. It, when it flushes out with its first flush of flowers, <sighs> it's just like the whole bush is covered. It's this kind of waving yes. and it's great for like a hillside or a slope. And it's yes. early to flower. Which yes. is yeah. There, there's another yeah. one that, uh, that surprisingly, um, the, the Prosantara cuneata Baja peak. Yeah. Which is, much more upright. It's it will turn into a, like a four. Sometimes even I've even seen five foot tall shrub. Yes. Versus the, and yep. and to look at them, uh, you, they don't even have a very similar. Um, I know the leaf. leaves are different. L- they're larger format leaves. The flowers mm-hmm. are identical, but uh, mm-hmm. they're also larger on the Baja Peak. And yeah. I believe that's from Baja that's Peak. Is is that New Zealand or is that Australia? It's I know it's a it's a sou- it's a know. southern hemisphere plant. Mm. Okay. And I'm New yeah. And they're sort of. And I believe Purple. it's also in the mint family. Okay, yep. Which, uh, Alpine which, bush mint? Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, uh, you know, the heavy oils that uh, come off of those plants uh-huh. that are quite lovely. And especially when it gets hot, you can actually smell like mm-hmm. those gardens have a nice scent with yes. all those uh, plants that are really high in oils. When it, the heat, the heat of summer it really is kind of interesting. Yes, and I tell my clients that flowers look like little orchid flowers. They're just beautiful, mm. tiny, and anyway, it's yeah. There's just a lot of good facets about this plant that just multi multi useful and practical at the same time. Mm-hmm. No yeah. weeds can really get through it either. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> really good. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Weeding, yes, but it's always good. I mean, the the, the trick, I, at least I found in. In summer dry gardening or just gardening in general, is that you want to cover your ground. You don't want bare soil. You right. you you want to keep those weeds down. You want, um, you know, those uh, plant communities to really work well together. Mm-hmm. And by creating a kind of matrix of plantings, um, you're really helping them kind of interplay as well as kind of keep the maintenance down. Absolutely, green mulch all the way. Yes, just green pack mulch. it in. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> whatever survives. Cramscaping. Are you guys familiar with that yes. term? Yeah. Oh, cramscaping. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I, that I love that. Yeah, that's. I was accused of doing that in my own garden. <laughs> yeah, but then this, then you just edit. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Or you that's the, fun, the fun of it, and you'll have extra plants. Well, great. Make friends, share them. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and it self edits also because yes, it will like consume yes, it plants that you forgot about and. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, and then so one of the other plants is that, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, is the Eupatorium chocolate. Mm-hmm. 
what is the species name on that? It is um, Rugosum, so Eupatorium Rugosum chocolate. And is it, it still Eupatorium? Super, yeah, <laughs> it's I can't go take there. Super yeah. high. <laughs> but it's not aggressive like the mm-hmm, other. It no. doesn't mm-hmm. expand nearly as much. I think I've had mine in the ground for at least, you know, probably I think seven years. But um, you know, three and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. Do you pinch yours? You know what? I have done that, Mm -hmm. and that is nice because then it's not as tall. It doesn't split open and fall apart, Mm -hmm. which is really nice. Mm -hmm. So I do... I do that. I nice. I do it when I think to do it. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, are you familiar with the Chelsea Chop? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. yes. So Chelsea Flower Show, like world's greatest flower show, that's around the time where, yes, certain perennials you want to cut back, I usually just by half, to yeah. encourage um, branching and a denser plant and uh, more flowers. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I Chelsea chopped my aster prints. Ah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so that was. Oh, yeah. I bold. remember to do do that. Really? <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, I know, it's an experiment. <clears throat> yes, I've I've done it uh, both ways in my own garden and in clients' gardens, oh, huh? and sometimes I like the bigger. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. it depends if you have a, a lot of room or if you have other right. really tall perennials, then you might want to not do it all. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Or sometimes I've done even like half and half, where yep. you do the front layer and oh, leave the tall, yes. so then you have this whole sheet of. Mm-hmm. of flowers in the late summer and fall it's really quite lovely yep and one oh, thing i've tried actually is uh it's an experiment i don't know if it actually will work or is that effective but i'll chop the perimeter that's yeah. not, i was just gonna <laughs> yeah. say like a donut so yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's dense at the base to hold yes. up the tall stems in the center so oh, that's great are, are you doing that at the at the at the I've uh, been meadow playing around mm-hmm. we'll see yeah okay <laughs> so we'll see yep I do that with a well, yeah, a lot of perennials, just to just to hold things up, and also to keep that bottom layer off the ground. Because yeah. I, I have this thing about things laying on the ground. Well, and then they'll smother those little tiny plants that you have, and if you, you if you keep <laughs> letting them grow, unless you have really packed yep. uh, border, then you could um, you could leave them tall. But yeah, I've done both, and that is a really fun plant. You can do yeah, solidago, asters. Uh-huh. Um, I've also seen. Um, um, the uh, Verona Castrum you can do. Oh, flocks. Yeah. Flocks. flocks. Yeah, flocks. Absolutely. We, we've covered like, yeah. the, the key ones. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, yeah. Oh, Speaking yeah. of drought tolerant yeah. plants, you know, our very common, popular sedum autumn joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great we'll, one. We'll benefit from, oh. from a chop. And then oh, you have a nice, tighter mound. Mm-hmm. Is that wow. one, uh, does that one, is, do rabbits like that one? Do rabbits eat sedum? That I don't know. Right now, rabbits <laughs> just eat everything, and they're kind of the bait of my existence right now. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah, that's, yeah, because there are, we are seeing them in our neighborhood. Mm. Oh, here. all over. I've, I have photos it's of bad. them. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen them, seen them eating the sedums yet. <laughs> that's good. They, they like the Hyconocloa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. everything likes everything Hyconocloa. Everything does, including the, yeah, the dogs and the, the cats. The dogs, the cats, the bunnies. <laughs> You have to buy them big now, <laughs> otherwise they won't survive. Oh, uh, yeah, that's funny. I'm just uh, t- speaking of rabbits and uh, another good drought tolerant plant um, that does well is this uh, um, Mahonia soft caress. Yes, but mm-hmm. but uh, rabbits mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. that right. one. So do deer. Oh yes, the deer eat it up. So luckily we don't have deer in town, but uh, right. for the folks who live out in the country, uh, you know that's another whole issue. That's yep. a big problem, but. Mm-hmm. What I've found is that if you go with a plant that's like two feet and higher, at least th- that bottom area mm. w- might get munched by the rabbits, but they're so small, they can't get up higher than about a foot. So then that top layer won't get munched. 
That is a good strategy. So, <laughs> you know, I'm usually not one to say get bigger, yes. you know, in these gardens, but, um, you know, to start off because uh, you're planting so densely and um, you trying to make a huge impact. And so I always are promoting smaller plants. But in this case, you, you, you know, to save that plant from being turned into like a, a salad bar for a rabbit, yeah. <laughs> you might, <laughs> you might want to go with a little bit bigger plant. Well, also on that, Riz, you brought up the um, sedum autumn joy. So there's the se- there's sedum blue pearl. I just bought that last year. That is a beautiful dark sedum because a lot of the dark um, leaved ones they tend to die or they don't really make it back through the winter. They I don't know why they sent they tend to atrophy in my garden. Mm. But that one has just come back gorgeous, mm-hmm. and it's it's available at the local nursery too. Oh, that's, that's great. always a you know, important to be able to get it. Blue Blue pearl. And it's got big, yeah, big leaves and just, it's just robust and strong for a a dark sedum. Oh, wow. That sounds taller. Yep. That and Cape Blanco on the opposite end of the spectrum is such a great sedum. That is a great, that's that's a great, and it's a native. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great native plant. It's really tough. It does really well. Yep. And pretty in the winter because it gets the little red edges on it. Yeah. One thing I've so. been experimenting with in my own garden and just trying to see how things do with a low water or summer dry garden situation are the um, Delispermum from mm. South Africa, mm-hmm. which are the small format ice plants. And oh. they come in all these really amazing colors. Oh, and yes. I found a whole bunch uh-huh. um, from Little Prince in Oregon. Mm-hmm. They, they grow all these really great colors like uh, oranges and chartreuse. And there's one called uh, garnet. And there's one called peridot. And all mm-hmm. these really beautiful gem tones. There's fire spinner as well. Oh, yeah. That oh. one's really like yeah. a that's like a rave. <laughs> so oh. one thing I've learned about Delosperomus here in the Pacific Northwest, for some reason, they seem to hate me. <laughs> I, I don't know if, I'm, if they're just getting too wet for where I'm planting them. But I've never mm. really... Um, gotten them to form that carpet of you know of yeah. matte of color that they that they're known for but i'm gonna keep trying because i got re-inspired recently when i went to uh denver colorado for the first time to uh, visit one of my uh, friends and colleagues uh who is a curator at the denver botanic garden wow and, what a great uh, experience oh my gosh so if, if you know anything about denver they have a very challenging mm-hmm. climate Mm-hmm. So high elevation, very exposed. So, um, oh my gosh, the Delosperms there in full it. bloom were just oh. absolutely spectacular. So certainly worth seeking out, but I think my issue is um, they're probably too wet. I, the, maybe the drainage isn't as adequate. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, in terms of drought tolerance and, um, and uh, landscape impact when they're in bloom, it's pretty spectacular. Oh. Yeah. So so dry, lots of drainage. Yeah. Yeah. Hell strip plants. Yes, that seems yeah. to be the key with drought tolerant um, plants yeah. um, that that we grow here in the northwest. So I'm always encouraging gardeners to you know raise their beds, you know to you know to plant mm-hmm. in mounds and that sort of thing. That seems to be the key to getting a lot of these drought tolerant plants uh, established and thriving in mm-hmm. especially in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, yeah, that's a really that's a great. Yep. Especially having either mounded or um, uh, sloping landscapes. I mm-hmm. mean, th- those types of plants work really well. And I mean, I mean, how many times have we gone to a client's garden and they want to grow lavender? And of course they have it in like super rich soil 
and the in thing the is in the shade or <laughs> it's falling apart or they complain, yeah. well, I grow this and it doesn't even survive a full year and yet they're babying that plant. Well, these plants really um, want some tough love, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You know, low input, low water, low to no fertilizer, especially if once you start thinking about like all the kind of um, non-native plants from from the southern hemisphere, especially stuff in in the the pro, or prote or the proteaceous family or proteaceae, mm-hmm. you know those plants really uh, don't want any type of fertilizer. They're lean and mean. Mm-hmm. That's a really um, good thing to remember as well. Conifers also on a mound, right? Yes, because we do lose conifers because they are drowning mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. play. Yeah. <laughs> And that's another thing that we forget, <clears throat> too, um, uh, especially in the Northwest. I feel like we sometimes take conifers for granted because, you know, we're surrounded by them. Yeah. But in the landscape and also the variety of uh, dwarf conifers even mm-hmm. that are available right now um, is immense. You know, you can find a conifer for any situation, but especially in those tough spots like a hell strip mm-hmm. or um, um, there's even conifers that will thrive in dry shade. It's pretty remarkable oh, what's wow. out there. That's so, great. Yeah, yeah, do you have an example yeah. of any of those? Oh, gosh. Or just one of them maybe off the top of your head? Um, I think or dr- shade. Yeah. Through Jopsis. But yeah. it's kind of shade, part yeah. shade. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Jopsis yeah. is wonderful. Or even use. Uh, mm-hmm. Even something like a uh, microbiota, uh, oh. uh, Decusada, yeah. if you're familiar with oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it forms a pretty dense mat. I love it actually spilling over a rockery. Because it's a, a very elegant... Um, growth habit it has that wonderful winter color mm-hmm. and it's just tough as nails you know yeah um so that's a that's russian that juniper right yeah, yeah. there's a nice that blue there's also a blue uh, i forgot the named named oh. there's a blue one as well okay yeah it looks like waves to me it oh. always looks like doesn't it when you when it gets mature sort mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. a wave yeah 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 um yeah and then the, the small pines too are really nice like the Pinus muco valley cushion is mm-hmm. a great little tiny tight pine. And then um, I use that one a lot. Mm-hmm. And then Karsten's winter gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic pine that's bright yellow in the wintertime. Sort of like um, Chief Joseph, mm-hmm. but oh, yeah. but Sh- affordable. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> shorter, yeah. I, I, I like the, the two things I really like uh, as far as like kind of a dry shade conifer or lo- low light are, are the um, Japanese use. There's like a, mm. uh, the golden ones. Those are really quite lovely. Uh, actually, both of these plants are, are native to Japan. And then the, um, the juniper, well, this is not really a, a shade, but this is be a, like a part sun to full sun would be the juniper uh, conferta. The oh, shore, yeah, and there's like a, a, a golden one that's really quite lovely. Mm-hmm. They do not like wet feet. Mm-hmm. I know this for a fact because I lost a container full, a container of mine. Um, the roots grew from the tree and blocked, uh, blocked the drainage hole oh. this winter oh. with all the snow and rain. And uh, those plants they succumbed drowned. to that. They yeah. drowned. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Juniper's blue star, too, is such a basic plant, mm-hmm. but what a great plant because it's gorgeous color and compact. Again, a yeah. good weed suppressor. Yeah, that's a great that's a great one. I'm just trying to find this uh, microbiota decusata, the the colored one. It's really a beautiful. Uh, the the name of it is. Uh, it's actually called Drew's Blue, and it's a it's a really beautiful kind of uh, yeah. blue green. So if you're going in those colors for like a design, it's really kind of a beautiful instead of kind of the yeah. olivey green. 
of the straight microbiota. Right. And then I does th- it turn purple as well? It also it does turn kind of. Uh, I think the the str- the straight species turns kind of a bronzy mm-hmm. purple, uh-huh. and it's a blue green, and then in summer, and then it turns um, a, actually a dark maroon. Ooh, so maybe a that little bit. Good. Yeah, <laughs> so darker, which... Um, I'll work with that. <laughs> yeah. I will take that one. That sounds also quite lovely. And uh, I do like the way, like you say, they kind of undulate because they grow and they tip down and they tip back up and they mm-hmm. go up and down. They're, they're really kind of a fun plant. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. That those are great, like college campuses. I mean, especially here in the Seattle area, we have some amazing colleges and yes. universities that we can check and uh, see a lot of these plants in yes. large format or what they actually size they get to. And then also beautiful, like in mass plantings. It's a really mm-hmm. great way. And even if you're not a gardener, but you just really want to see some amazing landscapes, that's a great uh, resource here that we have in the Seattle area. Well, great. Well, thank you everyone for coming. Once again, Lisa Bauer with Chartreuse Landscape Design uh, and Riz Reyes, uh, owner of RHR Horticulture, uh, joining me today for my podcast. Once again, thank you very much. We reached the end of another episode of Always in the Garden with Jason Jorgensen. Thanks for listening. You can connect with us online or find resources, materials, and behind-the-scene photos at alwaysinthegarden.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we invite you to listen to our other episodes. Remember, you can find us always in the garden. Host, Jason Jorgensen. Executive producer, Johan Leisha. Music by Pierre Dubouton. Introduction, Diana Rodriguez. <laughs>